Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. Praise God. So let's open our Bible. We've been talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we begin in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, where the scripture says, In the last days saith God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. So it's going to affect generations, and it's going to affect nations. We talked about the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised that God had given in Acts chapter 2, and then we talked about the ongoing outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. And when the people saw the miracles that he did and heard the demons come out, they believed on Jesus and they were baptized. And it says there was great joy in that city. When people received the word of God, it causes great joy. But it didn't stop there. Peter and John were at Jerusalem in the church. They heard what was going on at Samaria. They went down there and they laid hands on them. Acts chapter 8, about verse 17. And they, the Samaritans, received the Holy Ghost. But it didn't stop there. Cornelius was an Italian. He wasn't saved yet. He was a giver. He gave to the poor. He gave alms and he prayed to God. How many of you know that people can be doing good things and not know God. But when he did that, he had a vision from an angel. And the angel told him to send some men over to Joppa and to get Peter. Peter was in Joppa and he was praying. While he was praying, he had a vision of all these unclean things coming down on a sheet. He said, Lord, I, I'm a good Jew. I follow the law. I've never eaten pork. I've never eaten shrimp. I've never eaten catfish. The Lord said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, oh, no, that happened three times. And then the sheet went up into heaven. And the Lord said, there's three men that seek you at the gate, at the door. Go and go with them. Don't doubt anything. So he went down to Cornelius' house, preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And while he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And the Gentiles received the gift. They got saved. They believed what he was preaching, and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. When the Jewish leaders saw what happened, they said, can we forbid water to these who have received this gift just like us? And they were baptized. Hallelujah. And then later in Acts chapter 19, Paul was preaching to the elders, older ones at Ephesus. They were those of, you know, that had been baptized with John's baptism. He asked them this question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? I ask you that same question today. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? I understand when you believed on Jesus, when you were born again, that you have the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. But have you received the promise of the Father? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit like they received it in the book of Acts? They said, we haven't even heard of that. Just like the church I grew up in. The church I grew up in, they believed in salvation. They believed in water baptism, but they didn't. They said, we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they had no teaching on the Holy Spirit whatsoever. 
And so actually the church I got saved in, it was a church that believed in salvation, not in water baptism. That wasn't the church I grew up in, it was the church I got saved in. And then my parents moved back to Lamar where I was from and we went back to the church that I grew up in and that church believed in salvation and water baptism, but not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And while I was in that church, I started going to this Bible study, pastor, you know, led by Andrew Womack. I was only 14 years old. Andrew's coming here to be here. I was supposed to announce this. forgot all about it. He's coming to be here next week. This was 45 years ago in October when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Andrew Womack's meeting in Lamar, Colorado. It was in my aunt's house. I'd actually been going a few weeks before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I had been to his Bible study. I had heard the word of God. And then he taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He asked people that night, if you have not received this gift and want to receive it, come up here. It was in my aunt's apartment. There's probably 60, 70 people in that little apartment. And I was over there, and these people gathered around him to receive. Then he asked all the people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit to come and surround them. So they came, and they surrounded them. And, and they were praying for them. I decided after they were all up there that I wanted to receive. So I went and got in the back of the group. And I just lifted up my hands to heaven, and I started speaking in tongues. That was October, if I am correct, of 1978. And guess what? 45 years ago, I have spoken in tongues, if not every day since then. Nearly every day, but I probably have spoken in tongues every day since I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1978. And listen, if I had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, this church would not be here. I would not be here. You would not know who I am. But when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I knew immediately this is what I'm going to do with my life. This is what I'm going to spend my life doing. And I believe if you're born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, your ministry on the inside of you is full grown. Many people haven't even got into what God ultimately called them to do. They've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and received that next thing from salvation. Now, I wasn't yet water baptized because when I got saved, I was only eight. And I, we were going to this church that didn't teach water baptism. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Bible study, we were going to the church that my grandparents had helped start in Lamar, Colorado, and that church believed in salvation and, the, and water baptism, but not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I started reading my Bible, and I saw in the book of Acts when they got saved, they got baptized. So I went to the leadership and said, I need to be baptized, and they baptized me in water. Hallelujah. Amen. Just like happened in Acts chapter 10. But then in Acts 19, Paul was there and, and he was preaching to these Ephesian elders, these disciples of John. And, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, no. Uh, he said, what baptism were you baptized with? They said, John's baptism. John baptized with a baptism unto repentance. And so they went and they were water baptized and then Paul laid his hands on them in Acts 19 verse 6 and they spoke with tongues 
and prophesied. Speaking in tongues is like a doorway into the rest of the gifts of the Spirit. So thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for this gift. You know, the Bible says in Jude verse 20 that we build up our most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. But today I want to go into Acts chapter 6 and then we'll move back. And I'm going to talk about how when the Holy Spirit came, there were a couple of things that happened. Number one, they moved forward in the power of God. But number two, they moved forward in the wisdom of God and with administrative leadership in the church. Do you know if the church is really going to be effective, not only do we need the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God, but we need good administrative leadership in the church to, to make us be able to contain and take care of the harvest well. So it says here in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Greeks against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. The church was growing so fast they couldn't take care of the physical needs because of the outpouring of the Spirit. Then the 12 apostles called the multitude of disciples to them and said, is it reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? It's okay to work, but you can't work all the time to the point that you're no good spiritually, right? So they said, wherefore, brethren, let's, let's solve this problem. Look out seven men of honest report. You know what? We need honest people in the church. You know, one thing that I detest is I detest lying. And I hate to tell you this, but the truth is there are a lot of people that are in the church that lie. Some of them on a pretty regular basis. In fact, we have a word for it at my office because we have some ministries that we deal with and they lie too. And, and we say it's, we call it their version of the truth. I said, well, that's, their, that's a nice way of saying they're not really being honest about the situation. But I like to be honest in all things. So he said, I want you to look at, and there are people who lie in the church. Seven men, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. How many of you know that we need some people that are full of the Holy Ghost, that are honest, that also have wisdom? We need some people that just have some good old-fashioned sense. Some Proverbs kind of wisdom so that we can get things done and be effective in the church. That we may appoint them over this business. They were to take care of the natural needs. We need people to help us take care of natural needs. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying blessed the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. How many of you know we need some people that are full of faith and the Holy Ghost? And one way to be full of faith is to pray in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude, verse 20. He was a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. And Philip, this was Philip who was later called an evangelist. He's the one that went down to Samaria and preached Christ and had great miracles and signs, had a great revival. 
and a Prochorus and Niconor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And when they set them before the apostles, when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So not only is there anointing to do ministry, you know, in a spiritual sense, there's also an anointing to serve. And we need people anointed to serve, to help in the body of Christ. I thank God for people that are called with us that help us serve. I was just seeing Tanya. She's been my personal assistant for several years. Reach out to someone and just love them. She's anointed to serve and to help people. Daryl Kazmarek helps me here at the building. He's been working for me personally and at the church for about uh, 18 years, 16 years. He did it off and on. The last two years, or maybe longer than that, have been full time. Amen? Donna, how long have you been here? Donna serves at this about four years. So we have all these different people that are anointed not only with spiritual things, but people that are anointed in natural things. We have about 300 volunteers currently that help us to accomplish the work of the ministry. And we couldn't do what we do without all those people helping. So they, they laid hands on him and noticed the result. The word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of priests, people were coming from the Jewish faith into the Christian faith, were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, notice this, Stephen was anointed to be a lay person, but it said that he was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. Did you know God does not only anoint apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and let them operate in the gifts of the Spirit? The gifts of the Spirit have never been uh, limited to those who have the five-fold ministry gifts, those public and, uh, preaching and teaching gifts, but they've always been for the entire body. And I believe what will really help the church to grow is when the entire body of the church starts operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and we take the, the gospel outside of the doors of the church and tell people, Wherever we're at, minister to them the grace of Jesus Christ. I believe that you can share the message, you can share the gospel of Jesus wherever you go, whether it's at your work or whether it's at the grocery store, whether it's at your school or, or you know, wherever you're at. I believe whether it's with your neighbors or your friends, you know what? I share with people all around. Amen. I don't try to force the gospel down their throat, but when God gives me an opportunity, I like to listen to the Holy Spirit. And it's not unlike me, even in a public place, to ask someone, can I pray for you? The Bible says those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Can I pray for you right now? And I pray for them in the name of Jesus. Praise God. In fact, somebody was trying to find our church just through a regular search the other day. They said, Pastor, it's almost impossible to find the church. When you Google churches in college, we're down there about number 30 or 40. Well, I can tell you what they do to make that happen, okay? They spend a lot of money and they, they do this thing called search engine optimization. 
And we can spend a lot of money and do that, but I tell you what's better than that. It's better when you as the body of Christ go out outside of these doors and tell people about Jesus, tell people about the Holy Spirit, and minister the grace of God that you've received to other people. And when they ask you, you can invite them to come. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the church was growing now, and it was not only growing because of the power of God, but it was also growing because of good administration. So thank God for the Holy Spirit. He helps us in all these different ways. And not only are there ministry gifts, not only are there manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but there are also uh, ministry gifts, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and there are also, uh, what, what do we call them? Motivational gifts. And so the Bible talks about those, and, and one of those is to be you know, in leadership and help serve. Serving is one of them. Listed in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. There's seven actually motivational gifts. So we can have all these gifts. And I believe this is actually God's plan for church growth. Amen? Now, if we go back to Acts chapter 4, let's talk a little bit about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? Or Acts chapter 3, excuse me. We'll start in Acts 3, go back there. It says, now Peter and John went up together in the temple. This is just after the Holy Spirit had been poured out. When the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, after Peter preached to them on the day of Pentecost, they said, what shall we do? He said in verse 38, repent, get saved, be baptized, be water baptized, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Those are three things you need to do. And then he said in verse 39, this promise is to you, it's to your children, and it's to as many as are afar off. It's not only to the apostles. It's not only to the early church, but it goes on from generation to generation. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you're saved, you were called. I believe God called everybody to salvation at the cross, but not everybody has answered that call. But if you've answered the call of salvation and received Jesus as your Lord, then you need to go ahead and answer the next call and receive the promise of the Father. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It will change your life just like it changed mine. Praise God. So Peter told him about that. And then look what happens in Acts 3. Peter and John went up together at the temple at the hour of prayer about 3 p.m. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried. The Bible tells us later in Acts chapter 4, this man was over 40 years old. He had never walked. They carried him, whom they laid at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask him alms. This is how they took care of the poor in those days. They didn't have social services systems like we have today in our government. So they would ask for alms and they would give to the poor of those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go to the temple, ask in alms. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of them. Expectancy is the breeding ground for miracle. Then Peter said, in verse 6, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have do I give you. Now, if you study the Bible and you read it, you figure out the apostles had some money because they were selling their property and they were giving it to the church. 
And it, it was fine in that time because what happened, this was 33 AD, shortly, right around that time period, right? And in 70 AD, the Romans took over Jerusalem and they burned it and they plowed it like a field. It actually was prophesied in the Old Testament. And so they would have lost all that anyway. So Peter said silver, but they were bringing those offerings and they were laying them at the apostles' feet. So the apostles had some money. Don't think that people who are in leadership in the ministry can't have some money. That is a lie of the devil. I'm so glad that I didn't buy it. Hallelujah. Peter said, silver and gold have none, but such as I have give I to you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. This was the working of a miracle. You see, the definition of the working of miracles is when God works through a person or instrument to perform a supernatural act in an instant. And this man, it says, he leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping. And, you know, he, he, his, he never learned how to walk before that. He didn't have muscle structure and all these things built up. He had been carried for 40 years wherever he had to go. And immediately he received strength and went walking and leaping and praising God. The difference in the gift of faith and the working of miracles, the, the working of miracles is when God works through a person or instruments like Samson took a jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand men. The spirit of God came on him and he carried off the city gates and he pulled down the house and destroyed more Philistines in his death than he did in all of his life. He's a type of Jesus. But Daniel operated in the gift of faith. And when they put Daniel in the lion's den, God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. The king prayed and fasted all night and worried Daniel had a good rest. The king came down there first morning. He said, the next morning, bright and early, he said, Daniel, servant of the Most High God, is the God who you serve able to deliver you from the fiery furnace or deliver you out of the mouth of the lion. He said, oh, yes, king. God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And he walked out unharmed. And the king said, everybody is going to serve the God of Daniel. Same thing happened to Peter. Peter was in prison and the church was praying for him in Acts chapter 12. And you know what? God sent his angel and Peter was in the, you know, clear back in the back of the prison and all chained up. And this angel struck him and he woke up and said, put on your clothes. And chains fell out. He put on his clothes. He thought he was seeing a vision. Then he walked him out of one gate and walked him out of another gate. Then he walked and Peter all of a sudden realized, hey, I'm out of prison and I'm free. And the angel was gone. So he went over and knocked on the door of the house where they were praying for him. And they thought they said, the Rhoda came and answered the door. They said, you saw me? She said, no, no, it's Peter. And she kept going, no, I saw Peter. He's here. And he kept knocking. And they went, sure enough, it was Peter. You know, sometimes people are praying and have no faith whatsoever. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that was the operation of the gift of faith. It was beyond their natural faith, and it was God doing it. That's the difference in, in, you know what, the fruit of faith and the gift. God can give you a gift of faith. It'll go way beyond where you're at in the natural realm of faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Judy, I believe God healed you by the gift of faith. 
Hallelujah. And raised you up and your life will testify to the world. Judy was laying over in a hospital earlier this year. They told her she didn't, she was all full of cancer. Fourth stage, they couldn't do anything about it. They said, we could do surgery, we could do all this, but you're going to die anyway. But you know what? She said, you don't need to do nothing. I'm going to believe God. She was believing God before I ever got there. Hallelujah. And today she is healthy and strong and healed and whole and well. It's a work. It's a supernatural operation of the Holy Ghost. I am telling you that God is still alive. I'm telling you that miracles are still here. I'm telling you that healing is still here. I'm telling you the gift of faith is still in operation. I'm telling you the Holy Ghost is still here. And if it wasn't, you would have never heard about Lawson Purdue. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. You have to forgive me if I get excited. I get excited about the Holy Spirit. I get excited about miracles. I get excited about the power of God. When they knew it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, they were filled with wonder and amazement what happened. And the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, and all the people came in the porch. This called Solomon's wondering, and Peter saw it. He answered and said, You men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? As, and why are you looking so earnestly at us as through our own power and holiness this man has made? He said, Listen, it's not by our power. It's not by our holiness. It's nothing that we've done. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, who you delivered up and crucified. But being you denied the Holy One and just and desired a murderer, he says in verse, boy, talk about Peter, he wasn't afraid of nothing. Hallelujah. To be granted unto you, and you killed the Prince of Life, who God raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man well, who you know and see. And the faith which is by him has given unto him complete health and soundness in the presence of you all. He said, Jesus is the one that healed him. God raised him from the dead. He sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's doing these works. He goes ahead and preaches to them. In verse 26, he's preaching to the Jews and says, Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. God sent Jesus to bless you. In turning every one of you from your iniquities. God sent Jesus to help you, to heal you, to free you, to deliver you, to bless you in every area, spirit, soul, and body. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as they spoke unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. You see, the Sadducees were a group of Hebrew believers that didn't really believe in the literal interpretation of the Scripture. That's why they were so sad, you see. <laughs> we got some religious people today in the church that do not believe in the literal interpretation of the Scripture, and that is why they're so sad, you see. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They laid their hands on them and put them in jail till the next day. 
I had a man tell me before this service, he used to be a Baptist minister till he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost started working in him and people started getting miracles and healings in his church. Hallelujah. He told me, thank you for being so bold and speaking out about all this crazy stuff that's going in the world. I had a man from England in the first service. He told me, Lawson, thank you for being so bold and speaking about the truth in America. This is what needs to be preached from our pulpits. He said, this is what's wrong with England. And they're going to hell in a handbasket. And some people in America in the church would be just happy to keep us having a social club. Just happy to keep us making everybody feel good in their, in their dilemma about not telling the truth. But we got to get people in the pulpit to telling the truth. And we need to start telling the truth about sexual issues. We need to start telling the truth about life and death, about abortion. We need to start telling the truth about the government. I'm here to tell you, I, I'm, I'm going to stand because I believe that we need to stand for the truth. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is the answer. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to back down and I'm not going to bow down. And there's a problem when our schools, we have over 20% of our children believing that they're not a male or a female. And it's because of this garbage that we have filled people with. And we got to rise up in the church and tell the truth. Not just make everybody feel good. You can boil a frog. You can put him in cold water. We did it in Sunday school when I was a kid and turned the fire on and boil him. And we got a bunch of people in the church that are being boiled just like a frog. But it's time. If you take a frog and put him in hot water, he'll jump right out. And it's time that we get hot and fill with the Holy Ghost and fill with boldness and start telling the truth from the pulpits of America. They threw him in jail for preaching the gospel. Till the next day about evening, howbeit many of them who heard the word believed. And the number of men was about 5,000. The number of men, the church was exploding in the power of God. There were 3,120 on the day of Pentecost. 3,120 men and women and boys and girls. Now there's 5,000 just men alone. Came to pass that the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes and Anus the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, as many were friends and family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And they sent Peter and John in the midst and asked him, by what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost and said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this sick man, by what means he is made well, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, who you crucified, who God raised him from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you well. And this stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become, is the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other it, 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He said there is only one person who can save you. There is only one name who can save you. Buddha can't save you, friends. Muhammad can't save you. All these other religions cannot save you. There is only one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only one who came, who is the Son of God, who was born of a virgin, who lived a holy, perfect, pure, sinless life, who died on the cross for our sins, who God raised from the dead, who is coming again. And God, when he raised Jesus, his only begotten Son from the dead, made him Lord of heaven, Lord of the earth, and the Lord of of the grave. Jesus is the only one who can save you. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man can get to God except by me. You know what God said in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 4 verse 29? He said, if the body of Israel, if the people of Israel went to a foreign land where they served other gods, if they would call and, and reach out with their whole heart for God, they would find him and not another. And I believe wherever people are on this planet, no matter what religion they've been raised in, if they will search for God with their whole heart, they're going to find Jesus Christ. The power of God was being poured out. And people were being set free by his power. But not only that, revelation and wisdom was being given by the Holy Spirit. And when you go into Acts chapter 5, there was a man named Ananias. He had a wife, Sapphira. I don't preach on it a lot. Because it's one of those deals. It's, sometimes I feel like I'd like to be Peter and some of these people and the things they do in the name of the just. but Ananias came in and said we, we sold our property and here's the money and Peter by the spirit knew he was lying sometimes I know when people are lying sometimes I don't but sometimes I do and I don't like lying and he said you sell it for so much and Hananiah said, yeah. Peter said to him in verse 3, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of this land? Listen, it, it, it was your own. You could have kept it all. Listen, if you don't want to tithe, don't tithe. You're just hurting yourself. I'm a tither. My daddy taught me when I was a little boy how to tithe, and I've been tithing ever since I started getting paid. In fact, Barbara and I don't just give 10%. We give about 30% of our income. And there is no way that you can explain the blessing of the Lord in our life except for that. It is the blessing of the Lord. We give and God takes care of us. God takes care of us in grand style. And Peter, you know, Dr. Summerall said, he said, he asked him three times, strike one, strike two, Strike three, you're out. And he fell over dead. They didn't have cell phones. They couldn't get the word, didn't get around. A little bit later, Sapphira came in. 
Peter said, did you sell that land for so Oh, yes, we did. And Peter said, this is about verse 9, how is it that you have agreed together to lie to God, to tempt the Holy Spirit, to hold the feet of them who have buried your husband or at the door, they're going to carry you out. And she fell over dead. I don't really know what happened. I really don't know how it fits in with grace. Andrew Womack in his notes gives three things. He said, number one, it could have been fear killed him. Number two, he said, maybe they weren't ever saved. Sometimes there's people in the church and they've never been saved. Number three, he said, maybe they had rejected Jesus. That's not very many people do that. I personally think it's number three, but it could be any one of the three. Amen. I really don't know what happened, but I don't want to go there. Amen. But listen, not only was the power of God being manifest in the working of miracles, but the gifts of revelation were in operation. And this was a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom and, and discerning of spirits. Paul, you know, Peter was operating in those gifts. And notice what happened in verse 12 to verse 16. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders worked among the people, for they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest did no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And the believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing might by might overshadow some of them. And there came a multitude out of the cities around Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one. Listen, Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me. How many of you are believers in this place? The same works that I do and greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father which is in heaven. He said, listen, redemption makes it possible. And he said, whatever you ask the Father, he went on to say, whatever you ask the Father in my name, that will he do, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. You know what happened to Peter and John? In Acts chapter 4, they threatened them, and they commanded them not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. They were afraid of the power and the authority in the name of Jesus. And there are two things that Jesus told his disciples before he left the earth that we need to know about in the church in John 14, 15, and 16. He said, number one, you need to know about the power and authority of the name of Jesus. And the thing that we have left out of the church as a whole is the power and authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Listen, it isn't all up to God. Some of it's up to you, and you need to learn how to take your God-given authority and not just let the devil beat you from pillar to post. The other thing he told them you need to know about is you need to about, know about the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said, taught about it in John 14, 15, and 16. He was preparing his disciples for his departure. And you know what they've left out in the church today? The authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we got a bunch of charismatic churches that were born in the charismatic movement where God raised up people from denominations just like the one I got saved in, just like the one that I got water baptized in that don't teach anymore on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that never teach on speaking in tongues. And it's atrocious. People have left out of the church the power and the authority of the gospel. And you know what we need to do? We need to teach the authority we have in the name of Jesus. You go read John 14, 15, and 16. Because Jesus talked about it over and over and over again. He talked about what happens when we pray in his name. And he talked about the coming. There's one who's coming after me. John said that actually. But Jesus said, he's going to come. I'm going to leave. But don't you worry about it because I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm not going to leave you on, on your own. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And when he comes, he is going to help you. Guess what? Pastor Lawson needs some help, and so do you. Amen. Jesus said the same works that I do and greater works show you. And right here, we see it in Acts chapter 5. And then we see it in Acts chapter 6. It, it didn't only happen, right, with the apostles, but it happened with the laity. And it's the same way today. God has never excluded the laity from the gifts of the Spirit. God has never left them out. In fact, Jesus said more in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to verse 18. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believes not, notice the focus is on the believing, shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. How many of you are believers in this church? These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name. He starts with the one we all leave out. They'll cast out devils. Sometimes people just dealing with the devil himself. Cast out demons. They'll speak in tongues. We leave that one out too. They'll speak with new tongues. He said, they'll take up serpents and they want, there's going to be divine protection. And I don't believe we get baskets of snakes and hand them out. But if you're out there like Paul preaching the gospel and a snake jumps out of the fire and tries to kill you, I believe you're protected. And that happened to Paul, I think it's in Acts 27 on the island of Melita, and he shook it off. They said, oh, he escaped the shipwreck, but now this serpent's going to get him. But when he should have swelled up and died, he lived. They said, oh, he must be a god. And he preached to them Jesus, and they had a great revival. Hallelujah. If they drink any deadly thing, if somebody tries to poison him, you got divine protection. And it shall not hurt them. It shall not hurt them. It shall not hurt them. Divine power, divine protection. They operated in it. Let's go one more place, all right? Let's go to Acts chapter 9. I'll just share really briefly on this. But in Acts chapter 9, we talked about 7 and 8. But in Acts chapter 9, in verse 32, it came to pass as Peter passed throughout the quarters, he came down 
to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man, Aeneas, who had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. He had been sick. He had been in bed for a long, long time. And Peter said unto him, Peter spoke a word of faith into the situation and said, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you well. Arise and make your bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saren saw him and turned. Look at this, to the Lord. They had a great revival. This is what happened. They went forth in the power of God. Miracles happened. Demons came out. People were healed. People were set free. Revelation was given. And the church continued to grow. Now, there was at Joppa, in verse 36, a certain disciple named Tabitha, who by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms did what she She was a good woman. They loved her. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died in verse 37. And when they washed, they laid their hands in the upper chambers. For as much as Lydda was near unto Joppa and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. And when Peter arose and went with them, when he was come, they besought him in the upper chamber and all the windows stood by weeping and showing. They loved this woman. She died. They were worked up. And but Peter put them all for. Listen, when Jesus was in a great dilemma and somebody died, Jesus didn't call 10 people to pray. He didn't call 20 people to pray. He didn't call 30 people to pray. He didn't kill 100 people or 1,000 people to pray. He got two or three. He took his closest three, Peter, James, and John. He put everybody else out. And he went in there and raised them from the dead. And when you're a tight situation, you don't need 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 or 150 or 2,000 people to pray. You need two or three good friends that know God, that are full of the Holy Ghost. Peter put everybody out and he went in there and he raised her from the dead. Peter put them all out and kneeled down and prayed, turning and said, Tabitha, arise. And she, she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Amen. Glory to God. You know, last year I invited a man to come to our women's conference. And I was sitting on the back row with Herb Carter. And when this man, I said, you can come sit in the back with me. And I told him, hey, Herb was raised from the dead. And there was another man sitting there. He said, oh, I'm in this church and I died. My heart stopped seven times and God raised me from the dead. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So we've even seen people raised from the dead because Jesus is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. I'm telling you, this same Jesus, this same Jesus who they crucified, God raised him up and made him Lord of heaven and Lord of the earth and Lord of the grave. And if you'll believe on Jesus, amen, and receive the Holy Ghost, 
you can go forward and move forward in the power and authority of Jesus' name. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.